may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Church. How's everyone doing? Worship was awesome, of course. I was, I could, I was like, let's keep going, and but I'm like, oh, it was just great. It was really great. Praise the Lord. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open the Book of James. <coughs> uh, we're going to cover a lot today in James. Uh, and the way I, I'm looking at it after today, we'll have probably four more sermons in James and go on to the next book. But James chapter 4, <coughs> and I want you to, we're going to uh, cover a lot, but we're going to cover from verse 6 on. I'm going to go back a few verses. James, of course, is, a, is, James is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, okay? Um, he, uh, of course, uh, is a, uh, he's a pillar in the church early on during, G during, uh, Jesus's life, uh, before the cross, he didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe in his brother. And then Jesus appeared to him at the resurrection or after resurrection. He appeared to his brother, James, James becomes a pillar in the church. He's actually martyred early on, but James is writing to to believers that have been scattered, and part of the whole context of the book is maturity and uh, spiritual maturity in light of trials of life. Okay, sometimes you know God allows trials in our life, and God uses those trials to refine us and to mature us. And so, in this book, he has been talking about becoming spiritually mature, uh, having wisdom, spiritual wisdom, um, having uh, wisdom with 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 how we speak and how we treat one another. And in chapter 4, he's uh, discussing in the context um, uh, these church folk that were arguing and, and in conflict. And he says, you know, wh why are you guys arguing? And the reason why they have these quarrels is because they have selfish interests. And usually that what happens in life is when we are thinking about ourselves and concerned about what our own way, it tends to lead to arguments. Because when people don't give us what we want, we tend to argue and want to stand ground and argue with them, Right. We don't like when our way, our, our way is not being done, <laughs> you know, and that's where conflict happens, you know. Uh, but then James says, when you're doing that, when you're acting in that self-centered, selfish way, you're acting just like the, like the world. In fact, you're becoming what he calls an adulteress to God, it means you're acting more like the world and less like a Christian. And he says uh, that that's, uh, that's uh, becoming a, committing adultery against God. So what's so, so so what does he say is the sol uh, is the solution? And this is what we're going to talk about today. It's it's this idea of humility. And I know a few weeks ago we we talked about humility, but we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, he says in verse six, God gives a greater grace. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's actually going to mention humility in verse six, and he's going to mention it also at verse um, uh, verse ten. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So he says, God gives grace to the humble. Now my question, what does hum humility look like? What does humility look like? Now it's something we want to, we, we're supposed to be, but what does it look like? And humility, well, it's, hum it's hum humility. Well, let's, let's look at it. Verse 7, okay, I'm going to give you first thing that humility looks like. I got seven points. Seven points. First thing is humility looks like surrender to God. 
A humble person is surrendered to God. Look at verse 7. He says, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The humble person has surrendered to God. They said, Lord, I am tired of living on my own terms. I surrender to you. We, we just sang a song about that, didn't we? Most of our lives, before we became a Christian, and even after we become a Christian, is a struggle of who's going to be in charge of our life, us or God. And sometimes, even as Christians, we get impatient with God because we think he's not doing things fast enough. Amen? Or is it just me? The humble person has surrendered to God. The humble person has given up their rights to life, and they said, they said, God, my plans haven't worked so far. Have your plans worked so far? The way you've gone about things, have they worked so far? You're frustrated. They haven't worked so far. Humble, humble person says, I surrender to God. The word surrender, or the word submit there, in the, it says to, means to place under the rule of somebody else. When you say, I surrender, I submit to God, you're saying, Lord, you're the captain of my life, not me. You're the one who dictates my life, not me. And I am submitting myself under your lordship. It's interesting that today Jesus is proclaimed as our Savior, but very little time is often that he's not proclaimed as our Lord. But he is Lord. Don't forget, he's Jesus Christ, Jesus the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus, but the Lord Jesus Christ. His title means something. Demons, when the man was demon-possessed and they saw, they saw Jesus, they said, Lord, you're Jesus, the Son of the Most High. What do we have to do with one another? Even the demons recognize his lordship. Have you surrendered to God? The humble person takes God seriously. I, I take what I do very seriously. You guys know I'm, 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 I'm sort of serious, except when I trip over tables. But I take this very seriously. I, when, when, when Scripture says, you know, let not many of you become teachers because you'll be incur stricter judgment, I take that seriously. Because life is short. You know, a humble person takes God seriously. In obedience, they want to grow. They says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. In the same time of saying, God, I want to listen to you, I have to resist the devil's temptation to, to listen to, to self and say, oh, I want to rule. Right? I want to be in charge. That's the devil's temptation. You don't have to listen to God. Um, I, read a, uh, I read a really good quote uh, yesterday, and uh, I almost shared it, and I didn't share it. I didn't even write it down. Did I write it down? It was when the devil, before the, t before the sin, when the devil's tempting you, he says, your sin is no, go do the sin, it's of no consequence. Nothing will happen, all right? Before the sin, he says, go for it. Nothing will happen. Live the way you want to live. Live for yourself. No consequence. And then after the sin, he says, well, there's no forgiveness for that. He says, beforehand, there's no consequence for your sin. But then after your sin, he says, no forgiveness. That's the devil. Resist that, right? 
The humble person resists the devil's temptation to have self-rule. The humble person says, I don't understand what you're doing, God, but I'm going to trust you. At the end of the day, it's say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I've tried to pull all the levers and press the buttons to dictate how things should go, and I'm, it's not working. I'm going to trust you. It's like being uh, on an airplane, and the, there's no pilot, and you go in, and you have no experience. You're pressing dials, and things aren't working. Is that your life? Been pulling all the right levers, but things aren't working. Are you surrendered to God in every area? Is he the captain of your life? Let's go on to the next point. The second thing a humble person looks like or does is he seeks God. And we talked about this last week. I covered like a half a verse last week. So I'm going from half a verse to like 20 verses today. So <laughs> I decided to step on him. Uh, verse, verse uh, we draw, uh, draw near to God, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Seeks God. A humble person not only surrendered to God, but he seeks God. It's the longing, the hum, person who's humble has, seeks fellowship with the Lord, wants to know the Lord, wants to know his, with the Lord with his whole heart, her whole heart, wants intimacy with the Lord. Do you seek God? We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to major on this point too much. Do you seek God with your whole heart? Do you want to know him more? Do you hunger to know him? You, you realize that when you get to heaven, he's the main event, <laughs> right? Right. So we might as well get get going on, you know, growing in who he is and what he's like here on earth. Because what you do here is preparation for up there. Right. He says in verse, verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. As we said last week, some people avoid seeking God because they feel shame. Some people feel God because they feel embarrassed. They, they don't seek God because, oh, I have to clean myself up, God, before I seek you. And it's just the opposite. Seek him so he can cleanse you, Right? God. The psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, thirsts for you, God. Do you have that thirst? Do you have that thirst for the Lord? I mean, this is the best deal in, the whole, in, all, of, in all of the universe, is having Jesus as your Lord and Savior and knowing Him. And guess what? When you get to heaven, it's going to be as if it's just you and him and, and no one else matters, right? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he invites. He says, Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, right? The humble person seeks for God, seeks fellowship, actually feels out of place when they're not in fellowship with God. Third point. I'm going to get to the third point. This is going to be a major point here. He says, the humility looks like a surrender to God, a seeking of God, and thirdly, a humble person desires spiritual cleansing. Spiritual cleansing. Look at 8b. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Here it is. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now in the context, James is saying, y'all are looking, acting like the world. He says, no, that's got to change, Right? 
A humble person is sensitive to the standard of their heart. Sometimes there are things that happen in our life where we find ourselves, our heart divided away from God, compromised, right? In the Old Testament, Solomon built the temple. Solomon, the son of, the son of David, King David, builds the temple, has this wonderful temple dedication. You can read in 1 Kings, I think, chapter 8, right? He has this wonderful prayer. He prays, Lord, fill this temple. I realize that this, this structure I built can't contain you, right? Later on, Solomon, if you read 1 Kings 11, it says he married all kinds of for foreign women. He had like 300 wives and concubines. He was a busy man. I mean, let me just read to you what it says. Solomon had 700 wives, I'm sorry, 300 concubines and princesses and all that. And it says his wives turned his heart away. They turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God. Sometimes that's what happens is our heart gets divided. We fall in love with other things away from God. And our heart is compromised and not wholly devoted to the Lord. Is that you? Is Jesus the number one love, or is he like, is he down the list somewhere? Is your heart divided? We read in Genesis, Lot's wife, as Lot is being rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah, his wife looks back because her heart's still back there. Is that your heart? Are you in love with the things of the world? You know what the things of the world are? Fame, fortune, being um, noticed, having attention, having all the accolades, having all the applause, having their 15 hours, 13, 30 seconds of fame. Great, you know. Is that what you want? And then they spit you out and treat you like dirt, like you were nobody. I don't want that. I don't want the lover of my soul, Jesus Christ, to say, Hey, I love you the way you are. You don't have to, to dress up for me. You can, you're, I know who you are, right? Is your heart wholly devoted to the Lord? A humble person is sensitive to, to the stain. The humble person knows that they have been stained by, by the world. Sometimes you can be in a situation and you can have a course of life where it gets dirtier and dirtier and distant, distant God. And then you get so used to it. You get so used to the smell that you put up with it. I want to show you something. Look at James, okay? Look, where were we at? First four, or chapter four? Okay, look with me. Do you see verse eight? Draw near to God. Look at your Bibles. Draw near to God. You see that? 
Okay? And then verse, verse 8b says, cleanse your hands. Okay, watch this, watch this. <clears throat> You've drawn near to God. You've drawn near to God, right? In, in just who you are, as you are, right? You haven't tried to clean yourself up beforehand. You just come as you are, right? But as you draw near to God, guess what happens? You become more sensitive to your sin, don't you? See, if you're not even aware of your sin, you're far from God. You know, you may be aware of everybody else's sins. You're avoiding looking at the mirror. But as you draw near to God, you'll become more and more, as you grow in Christ, you'll become more and more aware of your own sinfulness. Right? Book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, first five chapters. Woe is that country, woe is that country, woe is that country. Isaiah chapter 6, he's in the presence, he is in the presence of God's throne. And what does he say? Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with the people of I realize that my sin is exposed. As I draw near to God, I'll become more and more aware of my own sin. And every person that I know that is, whole, that is a strong believer, has been walking with the Lord, as they get older, they get less prideful. They get more and more humble because they realize, I'm more wretched than I even thought I was. Ooh. I think of um, <coughs> I think of the Apostle Paul. Listen, the world today, a lot of churches teach this. Hey, um, you're not a sinner; you're a saint. That's true. We are we are we are saints before God. Now, we're, let me talk about something here. Um, so, as you get closer and you realize your sin, there is a need for cleansing, right? There's two kinds of cleansing. Okay, listen up. There's justifying cleansing and there's sanctifying cleansing. What's that mean? Justifying cleansing is you put your trust in Jesus Christ and he forgives you of all of your sins and he takes your dirtiness, your wretchedness, and he gives you his, his righteousness, right? And before God, you're justified as if you're not guilty, right? And filled with, uh, with the righteousness of Christ. But sanctified kind of righteousness is your daily walk and your heart and your devotion to the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. I'm talking about sanctifying cleansing. And so, yes, we are saints, but let's not kid ourselves. We are still sinners. Right? I haven't met one person who stopped sinning. And one guy claimed it when I was in college. One guy, I used to claim that he would stop sinning. You know, let's test that out. Let's hit his car. And see how I react, right? <laughs> and see and, and see what happens, right? Let's let's is he married? Let's let's test him out. Make his wife a little, a little angry at him and see how he reacts. Let's let's see what happens, right? Let me show you an example here. Watch this. Because the humble person wants to be cleansed. So watch this. The apostle Paul. Um he wrote a lot of the New Testament, right? And the man walked close with God. In fact, he says uh, in Philippians uh, 3, he, uh, 3.10, I think it is, he says that I may know him, right? And, the, and uh, let me just see if I can find the scripture here. Um, oh, you have it right. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And, and he wants to grow even more in Christ. This is the apostle Paul. But watch this. Um, <coughs> in... Um, 
go to, um, uh, uh, um, in, 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 in A.D. 55, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll, I'll just read it uh, just to save you guys some, some flipping time. Unless you want to turn to it, you can if you want. You know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to prevent you from being. But 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul says this. He says that, uh, he actually says in verse 7 that Christ appeared to James after uh, the resurrection. Uh, verse 9, for I am the least. So, so we're talking about Jesus appears to Paul. Jesus Christ appears to Paul. And then he says in verse 9, like, wait a second here. I am the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I uh, persecuted the church of God. Paul, you're a saint. You should be thinking better of yourself. Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. Paul, don't you know your identity in Christ? Yes, I do, but I also know that I am the least of the apostles. All right? Sanctified and justified. In my justified state, I'm a saint. You all are saints. In my sanctified life, I'm still a sinner walking, walking at every, every day by grace, you know? That's in AD 55. In AD 61, he writes these words in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, he says, um, where's my glasses? You guys see my glasses? Oh, they're in my pocket. Sorry. Hey, we have fun, right? Watch this. In Ephesians 3, uh, verse 7 and 8, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints. Before, it was the least of the apostles. Now he's older, and he says, I'm actually the least of all the saints. This is the apostle Paul. <coughs> right? Wrote the New Testament. I mean, not all the New Testament, but a lot of the New Testament. He is Christ's choice. He says, he is my selected person. Saul of Tarsus is my selected man to go and minister I'm the least of the apostles here, AD 61. I'm the least of all the saints. Why? To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. Okay, Paul. Yeah, I still haven't figured it out. Then in AD 63 to 66, go to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Or I can just turn to it and read it to you guys. I'm trying to... Sometimes I have so many cross-references, I don't want to, you know, distract you. But watch this. Paul says this. 1 Timothy 1.15, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Paul is humble because he's sensitive to his sin. He's drawn near to God. He's realized his sin. And he says, I am a sinner, and I need cleansing. Do you need cleansing today? Go back to James. See, if you're not back in James, go back to James. Now watch this. Watch this. Listen, listen. Sometimes we don't like. I don't. I don't see my sins. I, I see her sin. I see your sin. I see. All, I don't see my own sin. No, 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 because you're distant from God. But the awareness of your sin only comes in light of God's holiness. Right. As you draw near to God, that, that the spotlight is shown on you. Ooh, no, you know. And the humble person does this. Now, here's the, listen. We st a lot of us, we all still have pride in us, don't we? I'll, I'll test that. When, s when, when somebody points out something 
a sinful thing in you, how do you react? You get defensive, don't you? Don't, don't try on her. I'm, you know, oh, that's pride right there. A humble person, you have to get to the point where you're like, yeah, you're right. Woe is me. The, light, the, 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 the darkness of my sin can only be seen in light of his holiness. If you're reactionary, and this is, I'm speaking about myself, and when, I'm, when sin is pointed, in flaws, you know, what are you telling the truth, John? Well, I kind of, you, you know, when, when something is pointed out to me, I, do I, I get, I get defensive. Well, you know, I, I burst out, right? Anger comes out. Have you guys ever had that happen? You feel exposed, you know, because there's a pride there. That means there's still more sanctification left to do. <laughs> Let's line up behind the Apostle Paul and say, I'm with you, Paul. <laughs> I'm still, the, I'm, I'm saved, praise God, but I still want to grow. And the humble person says, I want to be cleansed. So James says, James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. What does that mean? Well, we, uh, 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 Alan, Alan read from Psalm 24. Who may ascend to the holy hill? Uh, who has clean hands and a pure heart? Cleanse your hands. What does that mean? That refers to outward actions, right? Uh, outward actions. That may be your hands. What you do with it, what you do with your life? How are you living your life? Are you just a Christian in your mind? But how about how you treat people? How are you living? Is it sinful or righteous? Well, I don't believe that's sin anymore. Let me just tell you something. God takes this word seriously. Every word is serious. Not one word does he not take serious. Don't assume because some people say that's not sin or that's not sin. Oh, God, we'll, we'll brush over that. Don't take that. Don't listen to that because, every, because all of it put Christ on the cross. You talk about us, just a bite of a, of a fruit sent us downwards because it was disobedience to God. Every word is serious. And God said, amen, in that time. Ding! <laughs> Isaiah points this out. He says, he says, wash yourselves. He's talking to Israel. He says, wash yourselves and remove evil deeds. from, from Stop doing the evil... So how do you cleanse? How do you cleanse? You, you, outwardly, you start living right. You, you throw the trash away, right? Make differences. Move out. If you're living with somebody, get married and move out or cut it off. Or if you're, you know, if you're living, you know it's not right, it's sinful, then change your behavior. Like, I could, like this morning, I said, I, I'm supposed to go on a diet, right? How is it working? I'm still snacking at night. My behavior hasn't changed, and I still haven't lost the weight. What do I, right? Cleanse your hands. Um, um, learn to do good, Isaiah says. Um, and then purify your heart, because, of course, external thing is one thing, but the heart is really the part that has to change, right? Purify my heart, Lord. Um, I love what Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah 33. Can I be turned there? Okay, I can. 
because that's what I just asked you to. I want, you to, I want to show you something, okay? Isaiah 33 in verse 14 to 16. I want to point something out. Again, <coughs> I mean, are, you guys, are you guys tracking with me? Okay, I only covered two verses, and I said I would cover a lot of verses, so I better speed it up. All right. Okay, Isaiah 33, watch this. We're talking about purifying our hearts. Um, verse 14, I want you to start there where it says, Who among? Who among us can live with the consuming fire? Who among us can live with the co- with continuing burning? We're talking about living in the presence of God. He who walks righteously, that's the clean hands, right? And speaks with sincerity, truthfulness. There it is. Pur- purify heart has a, has a truthful heart. There's honesty. It starts there. It starts in your heart. It's like, let's just, let's stop lying to ourselves, John. Let's stop, you know, let's, let's, let's speak truth, you know. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. Speak swift and sincerity. He who rejects, rejects unjust gain and shakes his hand so that they do take no bribe. Here it is. He who stops his ear from hearing bloodshed. Okay, it means stop listening to garbage. What goes in your ear affects what goes in your heart. Right? How can you, Paul says, think on pure things, you know? We read in Philippians, think on, how can you think on those things when you're watching and listening to all kinds of garbage? Right? The psalmist says, Psalm 1, do you know the righteous person thinks and reads and meditates in God's word? That's his delight, day and night. It comes into his, his eyes as he's reading and your ears as you're reading. He who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. How do I control what goes in my heart? What am I filling my heart with? What's going in my heart? Through my eyes, what I'm watching, and through my ears, what I'm listening. That's why, I, I mean, as a church, I'm like, guys, let's be in the Word. This is water to our soul, and it's water to our mind to cleanse our filthy minds, right? It does matter. Clean hands and pure heart. The humble person wants to have that. Do you want to have that? Do you want to have clean hands and pure heart? Do you say, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Cleanse my heart. Maybe change what you're watching what you're listening to, what you're reading. Because that all will go in here and go in here. Right? That's why Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking songs and melodies and, you know, all kinds of stuff, good stuff to one another. That's what's filling your heart. Speak truth in your heart. Jesus says the pure in heart will see God in Matthew 5. If you want a holy life, you have to have a clean heart. And as you draw near to God, confess that. Seek Him. Number four. Let's go back to James. Number four. I told you I had seven points. Let's keep going, okay? You guys tracking? All right. Number four. Then James says, verse 9, uh, number four is this. 
the humble person expresses godly sorrow and true repentance. The humble person expresses godly sorrow and true repentance. First, he surrenders to God. Two, he or she seeks God. Three, they desire spiritual cleansing. Number four, godly sorrow and true repentance. Verse nine, be miserable and mourn and weep. Be miserable, mourn and weep. Some of those are really strong words for weeping. Some of them are actually ex- words that express like the, the, the heaving of crying, the brokenness, right? Here's Jesus. He's invited by a Pharisee to his house to have, to have supper. And while he's eating, this woman comes in who is weeping. She comes in at Jesus' feet and wipes his feet and washes his feet with her tears. That's the same idea here. She's broken over her sin. She's humble. She doesn't care what they all think, right? She knows that's the master. That's my Lord. I don't care what, what, what this Pharisee thinks. I don't care. I, this is my Savior. And the least I could do is just show my, show my heart of contrition and brokenness and humility by saying, I don't deserve, but I am, I'm going to come here and worship you. And Jesus says, her sins are forgiven. And some of us have been through... Some of us are like that woman, aren't we? And we've been through a lot. And we love the Lord a lot because he's forgiven us for a lot. If you're too busy being defensive of your sin, how could you be sorrowful for your sin? You can't be defensive for your sin and broken over your sin at the same time. Amen? If you're busy diverting and blaming and explaining away and justifying, you can't be broken. Brokenness comes with the honest confession of what the Lord has revealed in His holiness. Oh, the wretchedness of my heart will cleanse me. Humble person says, cleanse me. Because at the end of the day, you are going to stand before Jesus Christ by yourself. And He gets to determine your fate. Demons even shudder at him. And the good thing about it is that Jesus Christ did all he did to take care of all that, right? He says, in the book of Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a clean heart and a new heart and, and do everything new and praise God for that, amen? James talks about the, the sorrow of our sin. Um, the tax collector who, who is so ashamed of his sin and he stands there beating himself in his breast. Be merciful to me, the God, the sinner. Be merciful to me. He can't even lift up his eyes. He's so broken over his sin. That's why Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. He's talking about mourning over your sin. Oh, let it be that I don't take sins lightly but i take it seriously where are you at do you have godly sorrow and i know that not every single time of repentance i have to go weeping and crying but you know what i'm talking about right the sensitivity you know i felt t- even this morning okay let me just be honest right i was probably a little sarcastic with somebody on that you know i was kind of a little i was kind of focused you know i probably said some 
And I felt convicted. You know, we were kind of, I was joking around. I was joking around with you, Tim. You know, I, I wasn't serious, but, you know, you know my joke, right? And I felt, I felt convicted because I didn't want to be misunderstood, you know. Um, and so I'm like, Lord, I need you. You know, it's moment by moment dependency on the Holy Spirit. It's moment by moment saying, empty of myself, Lord, and fill me with your presence. In other words, let it not be about me. That's what humility looks like. Do you have godly sorrow or is your heart cold and your eyes dry? Maybe take time to seek the Lord in that. The sorrow of my sin must precede the joy of my forgiveness. Amen. All right, verse 10. Fifth point. You guys tracking? Is this speaking to anybody? It's speaking to somebody because you guys are hearing. A humble person admits they need God. A humble person admits they need God. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will resolve you. Having been convicted of sin, having mourned, having submitted to God, having expressed sorrow, having, have, they say, Lord, uh, I admit my need. I am, now here's the thing, watch this. In one sense, there's a realization, cleanse your heart, right, you sinners, right? Cleanse your heart and, and, and clean your hands, right? But that is a point of, Lord, but I still need your forgiveness. But I, I need you. Humble person is dependent on God. In fact, watch this. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will what? Help you. Humble yourselves in the presence of God, and he will exalt you. So in, in the world of God, the way up is down. In the world, the way up is just trying to climb the ladder, but that will send you down because pride comes before the fall. But in, in God's economy, the way up is actually in humble submission, right? The submission must precede the exaltation. Do you know your need of God? Or are you too proud to admit it? having understood humility, having exemplified these things, let's continue. I said I have seven points, right? You do realize that I could spend an hour on just one verse. <laughs> Not out of pride, but because there's so much I want to show you guys. You guys are tracking with me, right? Okay, so if I'm humble, right? And I've, between me and God, God's what's going to happen. It's going to affect how I treat others. It's going to affect how we speak to others. Look at the next section here. Look at verse 11. A humble person speaks graciously with others. Paul, uh, James says, do not speak against one another, bre my brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. 
There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save your soul, save and destroy. But who are you to judge? A humble person speaks out of his brokenness words of grace. A person who has not even drawn near to God will be harsh in their words. Now, he says, don't speak against one another. That is, there's a difference between being a critic and being a, and giving critique. Okay, let's just talk about that for a second. Being a critic is tearing somebody down, bringing somebody down, judging them, condemning them. That's God's place, not your place. I thought you were just drawing, I just, wait, I thought you just drew near to God. I thought you realized your own sin. Now you're critiquing, no, no, you're criticizing them. Critique is okay. I mean, healthy critique. Critique for the purposes of helping out, not criticizing. Big difference. Be very, very careful. But it's okay to get, hey, I like that restaurant. I don't like that. I like that movie. Four stars, three stars, two stars. Don't see it. That's okay, you know. That's, that's not wrong. But how you speak to one another reveals your heart. Reveals your heart. Okay, I'm going to confess a sin. I don't have time to finish my two points. Ugh. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying. Can I, can, I, can I pause on this one? Of course I can. Take my, I know, I know. I, I want to cover material, but I also want to, I want to teach this. And um, Let me finish this point, and I'll do, I'll, I'll do, I won't do the seventh point. I'll, I'll leave that to next week. He says, when he says, um, um, don't, he who speaks against a brother judges his brother and speaks against the law. What does he mean by that? When you speak against somebody and you're tearing them down, you're basically saying, you're basically choosing not to obey God's commandments. What do I mean? God says you're to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Okay. When you're criticizing him, you're choosing not to obey that law which means that you're deciding to put yourself above the law and say, I'm going to pick and choose which ones to obey. Oh, law of love, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to be loving. I'm going to be critical today. Which means that you're putting yourself in God's position, in God's seat. And God says, there's only a person who can be in that seat. That's me. James says, you can't pick and choose what to do. If you're criticizing, you can't love him at the same time. How many guys feel love when you're criticized? When, you, when somebody's being critical, not critiquing, but critical, the difference. You know, I, had some, I have a friend of mine, who, a buddy of mine, he's probably watching the sermon right now. He's a pastor. He watches my sermons. He gives me critiques, helpful things. I'm probably blowing it right now, but that's okay, <laughs> you know? Helpful things to help me out, right? That's different. When you're being criticized, you're not being encouraged. You're being tore down. And when you're being criticized, being people being overly critical with you, you're not feeling love because you're not being loved. Which means you're not obeying, or the person's not obeying the most important commandment, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's why James means when you are judge, you're, you're placing yourself as judge over the law to decide which law to obey and which to not obey. And God says, mm -mm, I thought you humbled yourself. 
<laughs> now you want to take God's, now you want to be in God's place? That's not your place. Does that make sense? You can't decide that. You can't pick and choose. God says, I've sent the law of, we call it the, James calls it the law of liberty and the law of the, uh, the royal law, which is the, uh, the, the law of love. But he says, who are you to judge your neighbor? A humble person speaks graciously to others out of love. Yes, there's, crit there's critique to be helpful, but criticism, no. No. Be careful of that. So what does a humble person look like? They surrender to God. They seek God. They want to be spiritually cleansed. They have godly sorrow and true repentance. They admit their need for God, and they speak graciously out of a broken and contrite heart. Where are you at today? Where is your heart today? Are you hungry to, to grow close to God? Do you want your heart to be cleansed? Do you want Christ to be Lord of your life? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that all of us, Lord, would be, would be sensitive to your spirit and that you would create in us a clean heart. Um, Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you, Lord, and, and allow you to expose our sin. Give us the humility, Lord, to seek for you to cleanse that sin, for us to confess it and you to cleanse it. Help us to walk in dependency upon you, Lord. If there's something that we're doing that we need to stop doing, I pray that you give us the grace and the help to, to make those changes. If there are things that are filling our mind and heart that aren't from you, Lord, help us to make those changes, Lord. But we seek, Lord, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that ultimately on the cross, you paid for all of our sins. Wash away all of that and give us a, a clean heart a new spirit to take our sins and wash them completely away, to take them so far as the east is from the west, to bury them into the depths of the sea, never be able to join up again. And Lord, help us to look to you, Lord. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you would lead each one closer to you, Lord, in humility, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. beautiful Sunday. Pray that it doesn't get too hot during time of singing. Let's thank the Lord for uh, the somewhat cool weather. Um, I pray that uh, uh, that the Lord bless you and keep you and that he makes his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and help draw you closer devotion. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right.